Today's scripture reading, Isaiah 49, verse 1 to 13. Isaiah 49, verse from 1 to 13. I read English Standard Version. The servant of the Lord. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother, he named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hit me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hit me away. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense with my God. Now the Lord says, he who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes and they shall prostrate themselves. Because of the Lord, who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who had who has chosen you. Thus says the Lord, in a time of favor, I have answered you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, to apportion the desolate heritages, saying to the prisoners come out, to those who are in darkness appear. They shall feed along the ways, on all bare heights shall be their pasture. They shall not hunger or thirst, neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them. For he who has pity on them will lead them, and by springs of water will guide them. And I will make all my mountains a road, and my highway shall be raised up. Behold, these shall come from afar, and behold, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Sien. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. The word of the Lord. Um, part of what I read for the, our, our graduating seniors referred to their future plans and their thoughts. And I had to think back with this question for everybody here. Think back to your childhood, even before graduation from high school. Think back to when you were five or six. And for, for some of us, you know, that's half century ago for me. Um, so when you were five or six, what did you want to be? Because I've had an opportunity to be part of the daycare graduation here at Yellow Creek uh, the past years. And when they post the pictures of the 
graduates from daycare, they list what the kids say they want to be. And you see fireman, ballerina, doctor, teacher, princess, truck driver. I mean, those, those are some common things. So when you were that age, what was on your mind? What were you going to be? So we all have our ideas. Okay, so when, when you were graduating from high school or you were graduating from college, did you have the same thoughts? Or had they changed? When you turned 30, 40, 50, did they change a little bit more? Did they, did they get refined? Did they get clarified a little bit? And if you were asked today, what do you want to be? You know, some of you may be saying, oh, retired. No. What do you want to be? How would you list that? Uh, Lifeway Christian Resources is a Christian media publishing company that, that we've used, uh, produced the Gospel Project and the current Sunday School material that we use, Explore the Bible, and so we've used that with our Sunday school classes in the past. We're, we're using some of that now. Okay, the, the same company, they send out a daily email that I get called Lifeway Research. And it has informative, encouraging, and challenging articles for reflection and discussion. And back in 2018, one of their uh, writers, Aaron Earls, wrote an article with the headline. He said, no graduates... You can't be whatever you want to be. And so within this article, he, he questioned and just kind of challenged the encouragement that sometimes we give graduates, that you can be all you want to be, that you are called to go and conquer the world, that you can attain your, tree, your dream job and grab your place of importance in the world. Because right now, a lot of times, you know, college graduates, high school graduates, you may hear some of that phrasing. And a bit of his challenge is, a lot of that can be about me. What do I want? And, and there's, there's good things for identifying. What are you skilled at? What can you do? And what do you want to attain? Um, but again, some of those can be about me. And, and some of the words that I have right now, it's not just for graduates moving on to a new stage in life. It's for every one of us in the middle of a stage in life. What are we supposed to be? And so what do you want to be? Um, I would say not necessarily the incorrect answer, but maybe an incomplete question. So what should we be asking? And what I want to do, I want to take just a quick look at some of uh, Isaiah 49 and see what Jesus was called to be. Uh, in preparation for today, I uh, discovered that Isaiah actually contains four servant songs or servant poems within it. Um, Isaiah 42 has one of these, Isaiah uh, 50, Isaiah 52 into 53, and in today's reading, Isaiah 49, 1 through 6, would be one of these servant songs. And Isaiah 49 is full of references to Jesus Christ and the prophecy of who he will be, who he was called to be. The Enduring Word is a website that I use frequently, and the Enduring Word entitled this chapter, The Messiah's Mission. 
And, and that's, that was my title for the sermon, The Mission of a Servant. So what was the Messiah's mission? So, so first of all, what is a mission? Um, how many of you remember the old TV show, Mission Impossible? Not the movies, the TV show. 1966 to 1973 is when that was shot with reruns after that. And generally in that uh, TV show at the beginning, there was a tape, an old cassette tape that would be played. And somewhere in the process, this mission would be given. And at the end, it says your mission, should you choose to accept it? And then it went on. Okay, but a mission is something definitely that is assigned, not something that you select. But a mission isn't necessarily something that you have to accept. I mean, this wording said, you know, should you choose to accept it? Missions can be turned down. Missions can be ignored. But those missions are still given and assigned. So, so when we look at this title that you know, this chapter has the Messiah's mission. What does that say? Um, you know, this chapter in Isaiah is not necessarily that Jesus said, okay, I want to be doing this when I grow up. Jesus Christ was called by his Holy Father and Jesus accepted a mission of coming here to earth. In verse one of chapter 49, we, we read, before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. And in, in Luke, the story of uh, the prophecy when the angel came to Mary, verses 30 and 31 of Luke 1 says, The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Jesus was called and identified while he was still in Mary's womb. So Jesus had a task on earth. He was given gifts. He was given a mission. And as we look into verse 2, the sharpened sword that is referred to is again referred to in Revelation 19, in the second coming of Christ, coming out of his mouth as a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It pierces, penetrates, even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And John writes in, in his gospel, chapter 1, right at the very beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So Jesus was given authority, Jesus was given power, he was given the right and the call to come and impact this world in the way that no one ever had and the way that no one ever could since then. He was the word of God. In verse 7, uh, some been read of kings, princes, nations, standing in honor, bowing down in worship. And the reason was because God had directly selected Jesus as salvation for this broken world. And, and this mission that Jesus was accepting in coming to the world wasn't a short-lived result. Um, th this mission is something that goes on forever. In Psalm 119, 89 through 91, David writes, 
The word Lord is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. Your laws endure to this day for all things serve you. So the mission that Jesus took upon himself was something that would last generation to generation and continues now, generation upon generation. He was called from the very beginning to save the world. In verse 6, I will make you a light for the Gentiles, and that's us, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And so all these things that are in Isaiah 49 are awesome things for someone to desire and to have done as you grow up. Some of the things that are identified here, Jesus would be named and claimed by God even before he was born. He would have a sword for a tongue and he would know how to use it. He would be called a polished arrow. Kings and princes would kneel to him. His name would be praised for generations. He would provide comfort and reconciliation for God's people. Provide salvation for the Jew and the Gentile. And these are all prophecies of who Jesus would be and who he became as he grew up. So those are awesome things. But in Isaiah 53, a little bit later on, we also read some of the challenges that Jesus would face as he took on this mission. Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. And if you go a little bit further into verse 7, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. So when Jesus was born and as he grew up, no one needed to ask him what he wanted to be. He already knew what he was called to be. Jesus was the savior of the world. And that was this redemption. That redemption is the focus of the remainder of chapter 49. But it wouldn't be without pain. It wouldn't be out without some struggle. Jesus frequently went away from his disciples while he was on earth to be with the Father in prayer for nurturing, for strengthening. And even as we get to the end of the story for him, Luke twenty-two forty-two in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed to God in the middle of a struggle and pain. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus went ahead and he gave himself up on the cross for us. Jesus Christ was a servant for us, for Jew and Gentile alike. That was his mission on earth, to save this world, to serve, to be a servant, and to show us how that's done, the heart of a servant. He gave himself up so we have an opportunity to trust and commit our lives to him. So we can experience a different way of life on earth and, and eternally as well. So that, that's Jesus and his mission and his call. 
So what are we called? What do we want to be? As a five and six-year-old, we, we don't really have a lot of clue. What is God calling me to be? How do we live out our life to honor and glorify him? A few Saturdays ago, uh, the Goshen News ran a list of advice for the class of 2022 in their editorial page. And again, that, that's you know, the recommendation, the encouragement that they were giving to graduates, but I think this all fits with wherever we are in our, our life. So here are a few pieces of advice. Do not fake it until you make it. Admit you don't know something, but then be willing to learn. Don't be afraid to go out of your comfort zone. Don't compare yourself to others. It's exhausting. Failure is inevitable. Learn from it and move forward. And, and I like these better than some of the stereotypical egocentric comments that Aaron Earls was uh, referring to in, in that article at the beginning when I referred to that. But the call for Christians goes beyond these comments here. Do we consider ourselves followers of Jesus Christ and what he did and the example that he gave? And do we devote ourselves to following in that example? So, so the mission that Jesus took up, again, is living the life of a servant, giving of himself. So as, as we ask our daycare kids, you know, fill in, what do you want to be when you grow up? What if one of those kids would write down, I want to be a servant? Would it shock us? That wouldn't be common. That wouldn't be normal. Did any of you think of writing down or in your mind when I asked that question earlier, did you think, I want to be a servant? The desire to be a servant requires a willing heart and an understanding of God that I don't think a preschool child understands at all. But do we, as adults, as, as mature Christians, do we fully understand that as well? I mean, that, that is a challenge to be a servant on a regular basis. Uh, being a servant's not easy. Others make the rules. Others create the expectations. Others create the schedule. Others decide what the day's activities may be. Others are more important than me when I am acting as a servant. Brad Archer uh, is from uh, the Orchard Evangelical Free Church in Barrington, Illinois, and he wrote an article back in 2016 where he listed seven marks of a godly servant. And so I want to refer to these in just a quick um, blurb, a verse for some of these but seven marks of a godly servant. So the first one here, a servant is humble. Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And that, that, that just kind of, yeah, that, that kind of comes naturally to your thought process. Others come first. Um, back in 1970, Gail Sayers wrote an autobiography, it was part of that, entitled I Am Third. And that title comes from actually a plaque on his track coach's desk 
in Kansas. Everybody knows Gail Sayers was a football player. Well, he was a track star as well at the University of Kansas. God first, others second, I am third. Be humble. The second, a servant prepares. 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. Train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. A servant knows there's going to be work ahead. There's going to be spiritual work. There's going to be emotional work. There's going to be work that is worthy of God. And you prepare to do that work. Third, a servant perseveres. Luke 12, 35, 36 says, Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. As a servant, you need to be patient. A servant is not necessarily on call every single moment of the day. There may be some downtime, but a patient waiting through inactivity that maybe we recognize and think, oh, I'm, I'm not really doing anything, but being ready for a response when that time comes. Be ready for the call into being a servant. Fourth, a servant serves where needed. And, and, and this, no specific verses, but Jesus traveled by foot, spreading the gospel wherever it needed to be shared. Sleeping with a stone as his pillow. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Jesus responded to those that needed healing where they were as he met them on the road. He did what was needed in the moment. Fifth, and this one's just a little bit different. A servant serves or not as God directs. And the example for this is given is in 1 Chronicles 28 with King David. King David had this plan for building a nice, big, huge castle and kingdom. He didn't build it. Solomon did. And it was God's leading, God's guiding. David did what he could. David did what he was called to do. But Solomon finished that work. So serve or not as God directs. Sixth one, a servant expects to suffer. Matthew 5, 11, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. A servant doesn't make it about myself. Today's culture is so much about me, what, what I want, what I can do. Are you willing to continue to serve if nobody joins you? Are you willing to serve if somebody questions or even persecutes you for Christ's sake? And the last one, number seven, a servant is not ashamed. 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. And I want to know, do your best. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. But be diligent. 
Jesus' example of how servanthood is to be done. Seek biblical truth. Hold fast to that. Speak in love for the glory of God and the good of others. And am I willing to stand on Jesus' name and not be ashamed of that truth? Now, we, we just went through you know, the presentation of what the Click Club did. And I, and I, I want to share this one servanthood moment. On the morning that we went to the zoo, we, we had talked with the kids and we said, you know, we're going to go. It's going to be their activity, their agenda. We don't know exactly what that agenda and the timing is all going to be. So I, I think we use the word, we're going to roll with it. I mean, that was, that was what we said. And so as we got there, we, we met the residents and we went around the different exhibits of the zoo, saw the animals that they were wanting to see and the direction that they were kind of directing. Um, the kids were interacting with those in the wheelchairs and the walkers, talking, um, identifying, pointing out different animals. I mean, it was very, very cool. And then we were going to eat lunch with them. I think it was 1 o'clock. We were eating lunch. And so we're heading out to go outside the zoo grounds to eat lunch. And a couple of kids came up and said, hey, would it be possible for us to come back in after lunch and see some of the things that we would like to see that we didn't get to see? And here's what struck me, even in just the way they asked the question. They knew that there were certain things all morning long that they were anticipating seeing. Not once did our kids give a hint that they were missing out. And even in asking the question, the way that the question was asked was, maybe we can't come back in. And if we don't get to come back in, that's okay. I want to thank you four boys. That's the heart of a servant. You knew there were some things that were interesting you. They were put aside. And the heart of a servant looks for others. So for graduates and every one of us, as we seek to follow Christ, whether it's a transition into a new stage or we're in the middle of a stage and we're living out our call, the job you train for, the thing that you are going to be or the thing that you are, it's not going to be fully successful if God's not at the center of that. There's always going to be something missing. God needs to be at the center. Aaron Earls, Earls ended his article with these comments. That graduates, and again, this, this goes for all of us at every stage. Use your time chasing God, not your dream job. The closer you are to him, the closer you are to calling, to the calling he has placed on your life. He may send you places that make you uncomfortable and teach you to rely on him and find your identity in him instead of your job title. But he made you. He created you and he prepared good works for you ahead of time. He knows better than you 
your gifting, skills, and abilities. Follow him and you will find your calling. You will discover the place he has designed for you. It might not always make sense at the time, but he's God and he knows what he's doing. So as we make our plans, as we drive our vehicle, we drive our life, Many of us, we like to have the hands on the wheel and we drive it and we go this way and that way. Do I want to be the one driving or do I want to let God doing, be doing the driving? The mission of a servant is to serve God and to serve others, just as Jesus served. Jesus prayed, Lord, not my will but yours. Are we willing to pray that? Not my will but thine Anytime, anywhere, for anyone, even when it's inconvenient. Because I don't really think that it matters what you become or what you are as a job. Fireman, ballerina, doctor, teacher, princess, truck driver, whatever that may be. Every job this world has for you to do, for you to carry out, you can be a servant while you do that. And if you find yourself in a position where you can't be a servant where you are located in your job, maybe you need to find a new job. You can be a servant for God, for others. But a couple challenging questions within that process of being a servant. Am I willing to change my schedule to fit God's schedule? Are you willing to change your schedule to fit God's schedule. So going back to the mission impossible, I, I believe we're all called to be servants. Are we willing to accept that mission?